0: San Francisco in the Roaring Twenties is a city that hasn't quite shaken her old self. Scratch the surface of civilization and out pumps the hot chaotic blood of her Barbary Coast days. Sometimes somebody needs help bringing order back to this chaos, and that's where I come in. I work for the Federated Detective Agency.
1: 63 Audio and Rocket 88 Productions present Adventures of the Federated Tech, created by Pete Lutz and Mark Slade, and adapted from stories by Dashiell Hammett. Tonight's story, The Tenth Clue, Part Two, dramatized by Pete Lutz. If you were with us for part one of this unusual murder mystery, you learned that the tech had been waiting to speak to a client who had then been murdered under very unusual conditions. In addition to this, several strange clues had been scattered about the murder scene. Our nameless detective and Sergeant Ogar of the San Francisco PD spent several days trying to make sense of them with no luck. Finally, the tech said to Ogar, From now on, I'm considering all nine of those lovely clues
0: as nine bum steers, and I'm going just exactly contrary to them.
2: Starting in the morning, then, we spend our time hunting for Gantwort's rival for the paw of this Dexter kitten.
0: Right or wrong, that's what we did. We stowed all those lovely clues away, locked the drawer, and forgot them. Then we set out to find Creta Dexter's masculine acquaintances and sift them for the murderer. But it wasn't as simple as it sounded. Nope, all our digging into her past failed to bring to light one man who could be considered a suitor. Creena Dexter and her brother Madden had been in San Francisco three years. We traced them back the length of that period, from apartment to apartment. We questioned everyone we could find who even knew her by sight. And nobody could tell us of a single man who'd shown an interest in her besides Ganfort, Nobody apparently had ever seen her with any man except Gantvoort or her brother. All of which, while not gaining us any ground, at least convinced us
2: that we were on the right trail. There must be, there's gotta be at least one man in her life besides Leopold Gantvoort. You won't get
0: any argument from me, Ogar. This is not, unless we're very much mistaken, the kind of dame who would discourage masculine attention. In fact, I'd say she's endowed by nature to attract
2: same. So it follows that if there is another man, then the very fact that he's been kept so thoroughly undercover strengthens the probability of him being mixed up in Gattenfort's death. Yeah?
0: Yeah. I wish we could have found out where these two lived before they came to San Francisco.
2: Yeah, maybe. But are we that interested in their earlier life? Of course, if there was some old-time lover come back upon the scene recently, wouldn't it be easier to find the recent connection than the
0: old one? True enough. And we did establish one thing for sure. Charles, the dead man's son, was right in assuming that the Dexters are fortune hunters.
2: Got that right. While there ain't nothing definitely criminal in their pasts, all their activities point in that very direction. What did your second interview with a Dexter kitten net you?
0: Nothing at all. I spent an entire afternoon at her place, banging away with question after question, all geared to find out about her past love affairs. Who had she thrown over for Gantvort and his million and a half, that sort of thing? And always the answer was nobody. Which, of course, is an answer I chose not to believe.
2: You were having her shadowed, weren't you? Night and day. But I have the idea she knows she's being trailed. She rarely sets foot out of her apartment, and when she does, it's on an innocent errand. Nobody's visiting her, nobody's ringing her up, nobody's sending her anything in the mail. Nothing.
0: She's a sigh for that one. By the way, not that it means anything, but our trace on those newspaper clippings came back. Oh, goody. Do tell. Calm yourself, calm yourself. They were cut out of the personal columns of a Chicago paper, one from Portland, and a third from New York. All three of them would have been available on newsstands the day of the murder, ready to be purchased and clipped out by anyone who was looking for material to confuse detectives with.
2: Personally, I have had my fill of tricksters trying to confuse detectives. Then you probably don't want to hear this other thing. I probably don't, but go ahead.
0: We heard from our Paris operative. He's found no less than six Emil Bonfilses
2: and has a line on three more. Allow me to say, to hell with Monsieur Emil Bonfils and be done with him. All
0: nine of him. Agreed. Now, back to the business at hand. Our New York branch has been keeping tabs on Madden Dexter, and I've been advised as to the date of his departure, so I know what train he's coming in on. Perfect. Are you planning to meet him at the depot? I would if I knew what he looked like. I think he could tell me what I need to know. But his sister could crab my game if she got to him before I did. Anyway,
2: I don't want to drag
0: Charles Gantford or anyone else along to ID him for me.
2: Say. I know a trick he could use. It'd involve getting on at an earlier stop. He's getting off at Oakland. Switching to the ferry after that? Yes, what's the trick? Get yourself up to Sacramento and board his train there. But first, give your business card to a messenger boy at the Sacramento station and have him go through the train calling Dexter's name.
3: Mr. Dexter? Mr. Dexter? Mr. Dexter?
0: It wasn't until we reached the last car, the Observation Club car, that a slender, dark-haired man in well-tailored tweeds reached out a hand.
2: Mr. Dexter! Here, boy.
0: I studied his face as he tore open the envelope and read the card inside. He had an effeminate look to him, very fussy, with a slick down hair and a slack mouth. I dropped into the vacant seat beside him when he looked up from the card. You are Mr. Madden-Dexter? Yes. <sighs> I suppose you want to speak to me about Mr. Gantford's death. Uh-huh. I wanted to ask you a few questions, and since I happen to be in Sacramento, I thought this would save
3: us some time. I'll be only too glad to tell you anything I can. But I told the New York detectives all I knew, and they didn't seem to find it of much value. Well, the
0: situation has changed some since you left New York. What we thought of no value then may be just what we need now. I watched his face and manner as I said those words. He may not know anything, I thought, but he's certainly jumpy. Since he didn't, in my estimation, seem to be made of very tough material... I decided to use the advantage of our situation and his feeble nature by sitting as close to him as possible and speaking loudly. It's a technique every detective knows. Now taking into consideration the four or five other people in the car, I couldn't speak loudly, but the closeness of our faces was by itself an advantage. Of the men with whom your sister was acquainted, who, outside of Mr. Gantvort, was the most attentive?
2: Really, I couldn't say. All
0: right. Let's get at it this way. Suppose we check off one by one all the men who were interested in her and in whom she was interested. Mr. Dexter,
3: who's first? I know it sounds foolish, but I couldn't give you the name of even one man in whom Creta was interested before she met Gantford. She never, so far as I know, had the slightest feeling for any man before she met him. Of course, it's possible that there may have been someone that I didn't know anything about, but...
0: It did sound foolish right enough. He'd said all that with a timid desperation in his eyes. The Krita Dexter i talked to, a sleek kitten in O'Gar's words, didn't impress me as being at all likely to go very long without having at least one man in tow. This pretty little guy in front of me was lying. There couldn't be any other explanation. By the time we reached Oakland and left the train, I knew I was licked. That he wasn't going to tell me what I wanted to know, not this night anyway. Maybe I'd played the game too hard. Maybe he was tougher than he looked, or maybe his interest in concealing Gantward's murderer was greater than I'd thought it would be but I knew this much. If Madden Dexter was lying, and there couldn't be much doubt of that, then Gandvoort had had a rival, and Dexter believed or knew that this rival had killed Gandvoort. Nevertheless, I stuck by his side when we boarded the ferry for San Francisco in spite of his obvious desire to get away from me. There's always a possibility of something unexpected happening, so I continued to ply him with questions as our boat left the slip. Not long after, a man came toward the bench where we were sitting. A big burly man in a light overcoat, carrying a black bag. He greeted my companion and strode up to him with outstretched hand.
2: Hello, Madden. I just got in and was trying to remember your phone number. Well, hello,
3: Smitty. It's good to see you. Um, I'd like you to meet Mr. Smith. Smitty, this man is from the Federated Detective Agency here.
0: That tag, clearly a warning for Smith's benefit, brought me to my feet, all watchfulness. But the ferry was crowded, a hundred people all around us. I relaxed a little and shook hands with Smith. He couldn't do anything here, could he? The crowd around us was all to my advantage. That was my second mistake of the day. Smith's left hand had gone into his overcoat pocket. He drew it out quickly, then just as quickly put it back in. That was for my benefit to show me that in his hand was a snub-nosed automatic pointing at my waistline. Nobody in the crowd had noticed. Shall we go up on deck? I hesitated. I didn't like to leave all these people who were so blindly standing and sitting around us, but Smith's face wasn't the face of a cautious man. He looked like he didn't care if he shot me in front of a hundred witnesses.
2: Let's go, friend. You keep ahead of me, not too far. Remember what's pointing at your back. Stay down here with a bag, Madden.
1: All right!
0: The deck was deserted. A heavy fog, wet as rain. The fog of San Francisco's winter nights lay over boat and water and had driven everyone else inside. It hung about us, thick and impenetrable. I couldn't see so far as the end of the boat, in spite of the lights glowing overhead. I stopped. Smith prodded me in the back. Farther
2: away, where we can talk.
0: I went on until I reached the rail. The entire back of my head burned with sudden fire. Tiny points of light glittered in the blackness before me. grew larger, came rushing toward me. turned to consciousness for the second time that evening. I was lying on my back on a baggage cart, which was moving. Men and women were crowding around, walking beside the truck, staring at me with curious eyes. I sat up. Where are we? Dust landing in Sasolito, son. Lay still. We'll take you over to
2: the hospital.
0: How long before this boat goes back to San Francisco? Leaves right away. I'm going with it. Half an hour later, shivering and shaking in my wet clothes, keeping my mouth clamped tight so that my teeth wouldn't sound like a dice game, I climbed into a taxi at the ferry building and went to my flat. Once there, I swallowed half a pint of whiskey, rubbed myself with a coarse towel until my skin was raw, and except for an enormous weariness and an even worse headache, I felt almost human again. Ogar, it's me. No time to explain. Just come over to my flat. We need to talk. What is it? Just come over, man. Thanks. Mr. Charles Gantford, please. Thank you. Yes? This is your man from the Federated. Have you seen Madden Dexter yet?
2: No, but I talked to him on the phone... He called me up as soon as he got in. I asked him to meet me at Mr. Abernathy's office in the morning so we could go over that business he transacted for father.
0: Can you call him up now and tell him you've been called out of town, that you have to leave early in the morning, and that you'd like to run over to his apartment and see him tonight? Why, yes, if you wish. Good. Do that. I'll call for you in a little while and go over to see him with you. What is the... I'll tell you about it when I see you. Ogar arrived as I was finishing getting dressed. So, Dexter told you something? Yes, but I came near to forgetting what it was. I grilled him all the way from Sacramento to Oakland and couldn't get a whisper out of him. On the ferry coming over, he introduces me to a man named Smith, and he tells Mr. Smith that I'm a gumshoe. This, mind you, all happens in the middle of a crowded ferry. Mr. Smith points a gun at my belly, marches me out on the deck, wraps me across the back of the head, and dumps me in the bay. Lucky for me, I regained consciousness when I hit the water and eventually caught the attention of a
2: northbound ferry. <laughs> you have a lot of fun, don't you? Looks like Smith would be the man we want then. The buddy who turned the gantboard board trick. But what the hell did he want to give himself away by chucking you overboard for? Too hard for me, I gotta
0: tell ya. Ugh,
2: ow! What's the matter?
0: I'm having trouble finding a hat that'll fit over the lump on the back of my head. Ugh. Anyway, Dexter knew that I was hunting for one of his sister's former lovers, of course, and he must have thought I knew a whole lot more than I do, or he wouldn't have made that raw play, tipping my mitt to Smith right in front of me. But we'll know all about it in a little while. Our taxi should be here by now. Let's head down. You ain't counting on Smith being in sight, are you? No, he'll be holed up somewhere until he sees how things are going. But Madden Dexter will have to be out in the open to protect himself. Ground Floor, Dexter has an alibi, so he's in the clear as far as the actual killing is concerned. And with me supposed to be dead, the more he stays in the open, the safer he is. But it's a cinch he knows what this is all about, though he wasn't necessarily involved in it. Smith told him to stay below, so he probably didn't see what Smith did to me. Anyway, he'll be home. And this time he's going to talk. He's going to tell his little story. Ground Floor. Our taxi picked up Charles Gantfort, and we continued to the Dexter flat. Due to the short drive from his house, we didn't have time to answer his questions, which he kept firing at us with every turn of the wheel. Madden's home and expecting you? Yes. We made our way into the building and were buzzed up. Outside the Dexter's door, I stepped past Gantfort and pressed the button. Creta Dexter came to the door. Her amber eyes widened and her smile faded as I stepped past her into the apartment.
3: Good evening. I beg your pardon?
0: I walked swiftly down the little hallway and turned into the first room, through whose open door a light showed, and came face to face with Smith. What the hell? I didn't expect to see you here. Smith and I were both surprised, but his astonishment was greater than mine. I'd known he was still alive while he had every reason to think I was at the bottom of the bay. Taking advantage of his bewilderment, I took two steps toward him before he could act. One of his hands swept down just as I threw my right hand at his face. Something clicked in that hand as it smashed into his face, and it went numb. But he went down, and lay where he fell. Naturally, all this happened in less time than it takes to tell it. I jumped across his body to a door on the opposite side of the room, pulling my gun loose with my left hand. Ogar, Dexter's somewhere around. Keep your eyes open. I'm going to check the other rooms. And I did. I dashed through the other four rooms of the flat, pulling closet doors open, looking everywhere,
2: and I found nobody. Just who do you think this Joker is, pal?
0: Our friend, Mr. Smith.
2: Gantford says he's Madden Dexter. What? What? Mr. Gantford? Yes, this is Madden Dexter.
0: We worked on Madden Dexter for ten minutes before he opened his eyes. As soon as he sat up, we began to shoot questions and accusations at him, hoping to get a confession out of him before he recovered from his shakiness. But he wasn't that shaky.
2: Take me in if you want to. If I've got anything to say, I'll say it to my lawyer and to nobody else.
0: Creta stepped up to me and took me by the arm.
3: What have you got on him?
0: I wouldn't want to say, but I don't mind telling you this much. We're going to give him a chance in a nice modern courtroom to prove that he didn't kill Leopold Gantfort.
3: He was in New York.
0: He was not. He had a friend who went to New York as Madden Dexter and looked after Gantfort's business under that name. But if this is the real Madden Dexter, then the closest he got to New York was when he met his friend on the ferry to collect the papers connected with the BFNF iron transaction and learned that I had stumbled upon the truth about his alibi, even if I didn't know it myself at the time. At this, Krita jerked around to face her brother.
3: Is that on the level?
0: Huh. I'll say all I've
2: got to say to my lawyer.
3: Oh, you will? Well, I'll say what I've got to say right now. Mm.
0: At that, she flung around to face me again. Her voice had reached a near fever pitch. She was mighty angry at her brother for what he'd done.
2: Yes, from what you've told me so far, Miss Dexter seems to be a woman to reckon with.
0: You got that, Uh, (laughs) Roar? I mean, yes, sir, absolutely. But then she dropped her bombshell. Shifting her gaze back and forth between Ogar and me, she said,
3: Madden's not my brother at all. My last name is Ives. Madden and I met in St. Louis about four years ago, drifted around together for a year or so, pulling jobs as brother and sister, you know? Then we come to Frisco. He was a con man, still is. He made Mr. Gantvort's acquaintance six or seven months ago and was getting him all ribbed up to unload a fake invention on him. He brought him here a couple of times and introduced me as his sister. Huh. Then, after Mr. Gantvort had been here a couple of times, Madden decided to change his game. He thought Mr. Gantvoort liked me. And then we could get more money out of him by working a sort of fancy badger game on him. I was to lead the old man on until I had him wrapped around my finger. till we had him tied up so tight he couldn't get away. Had something on him, you know? Something good and strong. Then we'd shake him down for plenty of money.
0: Creta said everything went along fine for a while. But Gandford fell for her and fell hard. Finally, he asked her to marry him. That, she says, was something she didn't figure on. Blackmail was their game. But when he proposed, Creta tried to call Dexter off. She admits that Gantford's money influenced her decision somewhat, but she said she had come to like him a little, and he was nicer than anybody she'd ever known.
2: Oh, the flimflammer with a heart of gold. It's an old story.
0: True enough, sir, but she went on to say that she... I told
3: Madden all about it, and suggested that we drop the other plan and that I marry Gantford. I promised Madden that I'd keep him supplied with money. I knew I could get whatever I wanted out of Mr. Gantford. I liked him. But Madden had found him and brought him around to me, so I wasn't going to run out on Madden. I was willing to do all I could for him. <sighs> but Madden wouldn't hear of it. He'd have got more money in the long run by doing as I suggested. But he wanted his little handful right away. And to make him more unreasonable... He got one of his jealous streaks. (laughs) He beat me one night.
0: That settled it for Crita. She made up her mind to ditch Dexter. She told Gantfort that her brother was bitterly opposed to their marrying, and he could see that Dexter was carrying a grouch. So Gantfort sent Dexter east on that business trip, but he saw through their scheme.
3: As soon as I heard Mr. Gantfort had been killed, I had a hunch that Madden had done it. But then it seemed like a certainty that he was in New York the next day, and... I thought I'd done him an injustice. And I was glad he was out of it. But but now... Now? Now I hope you swing, you big sap! Ha. Listen. The fellow who went to New York for him? What did he look like?
0: At this, I gave Krita a description of the man I'd met on the train.
3: Oh, Evan Felter! He used to work with Madden. Oh, you'll probably find him hiding in Los Angeles. Put the screws on him and he'll spill all he knows. He's a weak sister. Well, chances are he didn't know what Madden's game was until it was all over. How do you like that, Madden Dexter? How do you like that for a starter? Oh, you messed up my little party, did you? Well, I'm going to spend every minute of my time from now until they pop you off. Helping them pop you.
2: Well, quite a result, it seems. Miss Dexter is the very personification of that line in Congreve's poem. Heaven has no rage, like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. Was that Congreve, sir?
0: I always thought it was Shakespeare.
2: I recommend you spend less time getting work tips from detective magazines and more time in the classical section of the library.
0: Yes, sir. Very, uh, <clears throat> funny, sir. By the way, Creta Dexter, or rather Creta Ives, was as good as her word. With her assistance, it was no trick at all to gather up the rest of the evidence we needed to hang Madden Dexter. Charles Gandvort decided to honor his father's new will as a sort of reward to Creta for helping to bring his father's killer to justice. And I don't believe her enjoyment of that three quarters of a million dollars is spoiled a bit by any qualms over what she did to Madden. She's a very respectable woman now and glad to be free of the con man.
1: Folks, we realized that part two of this story ran considerably shorter than part one but that's just the way the cookie bounces. Where part one ended was the perfect place for it to end, and part two got what was left over. But we hope you agree that these two parts put together made for a truly exciting yarn in our Federated Tech series. Now, as we did in an earlier episode, we are bringing you the transcript of a letter written by Mr. Hammett in regard to this story and sent to Black Mask Magazine, which they published in the January 1st, 1924 issue. And the next voice you hear will be that of... Mr. Dashiell Hammett. Thanks for the check for the tenth clue. And I want
2: to plead guilty to a bit of cowardice in connection with the story. The original of Miss Creta Dexter didn't resemble a kitten at all. She looked exactly like a bull pup. And she was pretty in the bargain. Except for her eyes, I never succeeded in determining just what was responsible for the resemblance, but it was a very real one. When, however, it came to actually putting her
0: down on paper, my nerve failed me. Nobody will believe you if you write a thing like that, I told myself. They'll think you're trying to spoof them. So for the sake of plausibility, I lied about her. Sincerely, Dashiell Hammett, San Francisco.
1: You have been listening to Part 2 of The Tenth Clue, Episode 7 of Adventures of the Federated Tech. Our cast consisted of the following players. Pete Lutz as the Tech. John Bell as Charles Ganfort. Jason D. Johnson as Sergeant Ogar, Jeff Moon as Madden Dexter. Jordan Brewster as the Fake Dexter. Frank Guglielmelli as the Ferryman. Rhiannon McAfee as Creta Dexter. Jessica Rainville as the Messenger Boy. Joe Stofko as the old man, and Paul Arbisi as the voice of Hammett. Music was by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. The Tenth Clue was written by Dashiell Hammett and appeared in the January 1st, 1924 issue of Black Mask Magazine. Mixing and mastering were performed by Daniel French of Fishbonius Sound Design. This program was produced under the supervision of Pete Lutz. This is Darren Rockold speaking. Join us again soon for Episode 8, Night Shots. Our season one finale
0: sixty three audio,
1: eighty eight production.